0: He got all of that got one. all of that one. Welcome to In the Rough, a podcast dedicated to golfing in the Treasure Valley and beyond. And beyond. In the Rough is presented by First Tee Idaho, providing accessibility and affordability to golf while teaching our youth respect, integrity, courtesy, perseverance, sportsmanship, honesty, judgment, responsibility, and confidence. First Tee Idaho, because golf is more than more a game. Than a game. Welcome to a February edition of In the Rough. Uh, I'm Corey Michaels, along with the Executive Director of First Tee Idaho, Nick Blasius. The temperatures coming up here are going to be warming up into the the mid-40s as we're still towards the starting of February when we're recording this. And uh, already looking at mid-upper 40s on the way. Spring golf's going to get underway with uh, First Tee Idaho coming up here very soon. We're about a month and a half away. So lots of exciting things, changes. And with that in mind, you've been adding more programs, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like, each time. I mean, last month when we talked with Gabe and working with th- yeah. that organization. And, you know, the I think last year, was it, that it started with the um, – uh, the program for some of the at-risk youth. Yeah, with the uh,
1: juvenile probation department. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, it, I mean, there's exciting new things coming. And one of the things I love about First T-Idaho is it does reach out to to service all of our youth in all of the Treasure Valley. when you know ar- around the country and around the world but you know yeah. we're specifically talking about first t idaho so it's not just kids that maybe had the always had the means to be able to to play golf yeah. or or whatever kids that are looking for and need something in their life and uh, in the game of golf that's a lot, lot you can equate so much to that game to uh to life
1: yeah I mean, that's all in our core values, right? And yep. That was what First Tee, when it got started in 1997, that was one of their biggest missions. It's let's make this, let's make the game of golf more inclusive. To your right. point, and so that's something that First Tee really we focus on um, finding those, you know, groups of people that we approach to try to Mm -hmm. get them into the game of golf rather than the game of golf waiting for them to come so um Mm -hmm. it's something we try to do every year try to bring on one new unique program as we like to call it that targets a new audience and uh you know we haven't quite nailed that down for 2022 what that new program is going to be but we're working on it and uh, we're excited about just all the added programs and how we're getting the game of golf in more people's lives
0: and I love it. Well, and that brings us up yeah. to time for uh, our guest this we, uh, this month on In the Rough.
1: It brings us to our guest who uh, I would candidly say is on the Mount Rushmore of uh, <laughs> of golfers in the Rocky Mountain section. So for some background... Um, there's a lot of different sections under the PGA of America within the country, and the section that Boise is in is the Rocky Mountain section PGA. Mm-hmm. So today we have one of their, uh, one of our, since I'm a member of that same section, one of our great members. His name's Ron Rawls. Ron is the head golf professional at Crane Creek Country Club. Uh, he's been there for a long time. We'll find out more as we keep diving into this interview, but uh, we're super thankful to have Ron in the studio with us today.
2: Thank you. I'm I'm very honored and pleased to be here, and I just want to thank you guys for inviting
1: me. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. So, Ron, give us just some brief background as to where you were raised. You know what sports you played growing up, things like that.
2: Well, I was uh, I was pretty much raised in Idaho. My dad was uh, was in the Air Force, and we spent uh, a couple of times about I guess almost ten years of time at Mountain Home Air Force Base, and. Lived in Boise uh, when my dad retired from the Air Force from the age of thirteen on until uh, until I left uh, Idaho in the late eighties uh, to pursue a, a golf position in Hawaii. But uh, yeah, so I'm pretty much a you know Idaho boy, and uh, you know went to school at Meridian High School, went to uh, college at Boise State University. So I'm a diehard Bronco, and um, you know just. Uh, have had the experience of, of working for some great people in the golf business as I've gone through, uh, you know, the various stages of my golf life. So, um, but yeah, I'm just uh, just an Idaho boy,
1: Idaho boy through and through. So, how old were you when you started playing golf?
2: You know, I was I was a baseball kid, and I i I've, and I. I know this is going to disappoint some people out there, but my (laughs) lifelong goal was to play second base for the New York Yankees, and so um, that's pretty much what my you know objective was as I was growing up. But uh, I started playing golf when I was 13, Um, and what started me in the game was uh, at Meridian High School. I went out for the uh, uh, sophomore for the baseball team my sophomore year of school, and. we had so many players. We had 40 players that ended up making the team. And I thought, wow, I'm going to have to share time with a lot of people. And <laughs> this wasn't my idea. And so my f- a friend of mine was uh, on the golf team and he said, Hey, we need players on the golf team. Come join us. And so just kind of out of the blue, I found a set of golf clubs and started playing high school golf at the age of 13 or 14 or whatever it was. And, uh, um, you know, and that was that, I mean, I was hooked and. And we spent the next, this friend, of mine, this friend of mine and I spent the next six or seven years doing nothing but playing golf, and mm-hmm. working at a golf course, working yeah. at Eagle Hills Golf Course. And golf was our life, you know, other than, of course, school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I've, that kind of led me to my next couple of questions. So where was it that you played a lot growing up?
2: Played Eagle Hills. I uh, actually uh, went to work for, the, uh, for Jerry Bro and his family in 1974 at Eagle Hills Golf Course when it was just nine holes. Uh, I was the first driving range attendant on that Lake Driving Range that yeah. they have out there.
1: Get uh, out the scuba gear.
2: It. Well, we yeah, we uh <laughs> we had uh, we got paid $3 a bucket. And so when the wind was blowing, it was a pretty lucrative job. When the wind wasn't blown, it was a little lean, so uh, but uh and then I went from there. I I worked on the maintenance crew there a couple of summers, uh helped uh I laid a lot of sod on the what's currently the front nine when they built that nine holes. Uh and then worked inside, worked in the bar, worked in the... I mean, I, I pretty much did everything, all the jobs there for that seven years that I worked for the bro family at Eagle Hills growing up. So,
1: so from an early age, you saw all facets of the <laughs> golf industry. <laughs>
2: Learned it inside and out. Yeah.
1: So when you first started playing at, you know, 13, 14, what was it about the game that really grasped you and that you thoroughly enjoyed?
2: Well, it was it was hard. I mean, you know, it was, it was you know, and... and you know, the, the improvement in golf, you know, the player themselves, sometimes they have a hard time seeing that improvement as they go through the game and go through the – but it was hard and very challenging, and uh, I think I loved the, the aspect, the challenging aspect of the game. Uh, plus, it was something that you could do. You didn't have to have – you know, you could go play by yourself. Or you could go play with your buddy. Or you could go play with two of your buddies, or you know, eight of your buddies. I mean, you didn't have to have a certain number of players to play the game. And you could play nine holes. You could play eighteen holes. You could play six holes. It was just the the versatility of of you know the opportunity to to go out and you. It was an easy game to play on your own. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, easy game to to play with your buddies. So.
1: So when you were young working there at Eagle Hills, was one of the benefits some free golf, perhaps? I think
2: that uh, the Bro family almost went bankrupt with the free <laughs> golf they gave out to to myself and Rob Ellis, who was a junior golfer at the time as well. <laughs> Rob and I did uh, probably take advantage of that free golf that we had with our, our jobs there. So
1: Those are some of my fondest memories, is being a cart kid at Quail Hollow or Plantation Country Club, now the River Club, you know, the playing till it's dark outside or, you know, waiting yeah. for those last carts. Let's go play a few more holes, fellas, while we wait for the carts to come in. So those are some good memories. Um, so we transitioned through high school at Meridian High School, play for the golf team. Do you guys have any success when you are in high school?
2: You know, we had uh, limited success. Uh, we, we played in the state tournament my sophomore year and then my junior and senior year we we didn't quite have the depth, uh, so, um, but we, we had a great time playing. And, um, you know, it was um, – I remember – and, th- and this is kind of how golf has evolved. I remember my senior year of high school, I was named one of our top ten athletes of the school because I played golf and, and it played it fairly well. But uh, the other nine recipients were football players, ba- basketball players, et cetera, et cetera. And they gave me a really hard time because they said golf is not a sport. How can you be named one of the 10 top athletes in our school and golf's not a sport, you know? So they gave me the hardest time. And, uh, and then, you know, fast forward 10 years down the road at your high school reunion and all of those guys are playing golf and and (laughs) wanting to get time with you to talk about golf, you know, so.
1: And reaching uh, out to Ron for lessons. That's right. So so
2: golf has a sneaky way of becoming, you know, somewhat obsessive once you get Mm -hmm. going. And, uh, uh, it's just, it's just interesting to see. And that's a great thing, of course, that it's a, a lifelong game we can play. So,
1: yeah. So at what point in high school did playing college golf come on your radar?
2: You know, I, I decided, I mean, because we'd played so much golf through high school, you know, working at Eagle Hills and, uh, again, Rob Ellis and I were out there all the time playing golf. So really grew to love the game and just wanted to keep playing it. And so, uh, you know, nothing happened, uh, You know, my junior success was not very, I guess, uh, uh, college-worthy, you might say. (laughs) And then um, the summer after I graduated, I won the state junior championship. And so that changed the perception in some coaches' minds. And so it kind of came down to playing at Idaho State or Boise State. And, of course, you know, I just felt like I'll just stay home and stay at Boise State. and and, um, So they offered me – at the time, a um, full ride scholarship, which uh, tuition at that time was one hundred and sixty five dollars a semester, so a little different. Than so, a full ride scholarship yeah. worked out to be about you know worth about three hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was nice, and and you know we had uh, I had a great experience in college. We had great players. Uh, Joel Hickman uh, was a senior on the team when I started as a freshman, and he kind of took me under his wing, taught me a lot of things. Some of the things probably I, I shouldn't be you know uh, <laughs> talking about but no joel took me under his wing and i appreciate that uh, and we just we had a lot of good teams good memories made a lot of good friendships people like rod skiles um, you know we just uh, we played golf and had a great time those four years didn't go to class much but
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what was your major at boise state when you went to school there
2: I was an accounting and computer science major, and uh, it's interesting because I loved numbers growing up. I was a math guy. I'm, the, I'm probably the only one in high school who kept taking math classes, even when they weren't required, you know. But uh, I just I loved accounting, but I did not want to be an accountant. Really, you know? and uh, and I've never you know I've never regretted having that accounting degree because it's it sure has helped me in, in my business and in my life. But uh, but yeah, so I'm you know I'm sitting there in my fourth year of school and. Surrounded by twenty nine other students that all they want to do is take the CPA exam and become CPAs, and I'm thinking, once we're done here, I'm out of here. I'm not. I'm not going into accounting, <laughs> but I love numbers. I was, and it was, you know, it came somewhat uh, easy for me. But I think that's one of the things. You know, a good friend of mine who's who's been in the business industry forever, been in the insurance industry. He majored in biology, and I. He had no intention of going in the medical field, but he liked biology. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that's that's something that more people should do really is when they go to school, you know, major in something you really enjoy and and are interested in because, you know, once you get out of school, most companies, I mean, unless you're going into a specialized industry, they just care about having that degree, you know? So yeah, anyway, that's kind of a sideline, but.
1: Well, that transitions perfectly into my next question, and that was, you know, at what point in college did you realize, maybe I want to continue to work in the game of golf, or how can I keep golf in my life after I finish my collegiate career? At what point did you kind of come to that conclusion? Well, there's
2: an interesting answer to that. Let's hear uh, it. <laughs> by the time I got done with college, I had, I had worked at a golf course every summer since I was 14 years old. So through high school and college, I had played high school golf, college golf. And by the time I got done with college, I was so tired of golf that the last thing I wanted to do (laughs) was get in the golf business. (laughs) (laughs) So I quit. You know, I I didn't pursue anything in the golf industry when I got out of college. I I think uh, I was at an accounting job. I went from there into the insurance business. And then in 1980, 86 late 86 I got laid off from an insurance job and I thought well I'd like to get back into golf and and try and use my accounting degree and you know so I called up uh, my old mentor Jerry bro and and asked him I said uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I want to get back in the golf industry use my accounting degree Do you have any ideas anything you know he said nope but he said, Rob Ellis just left and I need an assistant golf pro. Come talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry was the head professional at Hillcrest Country Club at that time. So I went in and saw Jerry and You know, one thing led to another. In nineteen eighty seven I found myself as a you know, assistant golf professional in the golf business and you know, then that's where things started taking shape for me as far as my golf career. So.
1: Yeah, and here we are, thirty-five years later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at what point did you get your PGA membership status?
2: Well, I, you know, early on when I first got into the program in 1987, I realized that the faster I became a PGA member, the sooner I would have doors that opened that where I could progress. So I actually, at the time, we were, the program at the time was uh, a minimum of 24 months. However, you got six months credit for having a college degree. So the fastest you could get through the program at that time was 18 months. And so I did the program in 18 months. So I, I became a PGA member in June of... Would that be 89, I believe, June of 89? And, uh, yeah, and it was, you know, I, I think that for those of, you know, those people that have gone through the, the program and, and have uh, become PGA members, I think becoming a PGA member is one of those achievements, uh, things that you just, you'll remember the rest of your life. Cause yeah. it is, you know. And nowadays it is much more intense, obviously, to go through schooling and our education or our schooling system in that, pga program has gotten more in depth and a little bit more probably more like a a master's degree type of a a curriculum but uh, at the time i went through it it was a little bit i don't want to say easier but a little bit simpler than it is now
1: yeah a quick uh quick side story i don't know if you remember this but it was 2018 i was the head golf pro at plantation the river club now and uh we had tri club and we had our final awards banquet at Crane Creek Country Club to, you know, honor all the ladies for playing in a, which is a great historical storied event. And I'm sit- sitting up there with you and Brett Klankoff, the head golf pro at Hillcrest Country Club. And I'm telling Brett and that I just got officially into the PGA and got my PGA membership and you overheard me. And you were wearing a PGA pin on the lapel of your blazer. <laughs> And you took it off and you put it on me and said, congratulations, buddy, and tapped it. And I thought, that is one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life up to that point. So that was, thank you for that.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Like I said, it's, you know, it's a special thing when you get your PGA membership. Uh, And those, uh, you know, that have achieved it like you have accomplished that, I think you, you know, you know that and you realize it. And um, it's something that needs to be celebrated.
1: Yeah, to your point, it does open a lot of doors as soon yes, as you make that happen. Absolutely. So, you go into the career of being a golf professional. So, please describe for our listeners the difference between a professional golfer and a golf professional.
2: Well, I think most of us that got or that get into the golf business want and have wanted to be a professional golfer. <laughs> we envision ourselves having the game that would, you know, we would be talented enough to play professional golf, which, you know, we watch every weekend on TV. Uh, You know, we just watched an exciting uh, Pebble Beach pro-am yesterday when, you know, I'm sure most people were rooting for Jordan Spieth. And that's what we all envisioned ourselves doing. Uh, However, (laughs) as, as we all know, it it takes a um, very talented player to be able to play at that level. So, you know, We basically want to still be in the golf industry. Uh, There's a lot of opportunities in the golf industry outside of playing the game for a living. And um, so a golf professional would be an individual who has chosen to work in the golf business as a golf professional. And there's a lot of different things they could do. They could, uh, like yourself, you know, be an executive director of an, an organization like First Tee Idaho. Like myself, be a head professional at a private club, run our golf programs at Crane Creek, Um, you could be a golf sales rep. Uh, You you know, there's a lot of different avenues. Uh, In fact, I talked to a previous assistant of mine just a few weeks ago, and they were looking into getting a job as a travel coordinator for golf trips to Scotland and Ireland. Wow. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there to work in the golf business. So the difference between a professional golfer and a golf professional is – you know, the professional golfer just has to play. That's all they have to do. The golf professional has to do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. But, uh, you know, as I, I always look at it this way. I always feel like, you know, as far as growing the game, our industry, in our industry, and growing the game of golf, um you know, the, the professional golfers that we watch on TV, they are an inspiration. And they, you know, the money they raise for charities, you know, they do grow the game. But I think the onus of growing the game is really really entirely on the golf professionals. And that's our, it should be, and it needs to be our objective is, you know, whatever we're doing, is it benefiting the game, is it growing the game, so...
1: Hold that thought for later. I've got some more questions on that. So one of the cool things about Crane Creek Country Club is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you are only the third head golf professional in the history of Crane Creek Country Club.
2: Actually, they're, they're actually. I think it's the fourth because of the you know, the first gentleman. But uh, but I am the – in the last 50 years, Crane Creek has only had two golf professionals.
1: Which is amazing to me.
2: It is, and that says a lot about the club. Yeah. It says a lot about the club and the membership. Uh, very supportive of their golf professionals, for sure.
1: And you had some big shoes to fill with Mr. Stoney Brown. But, you know, our our board chair, her name is Beth Mediat. Um, she worked for you when her name was Beth Beachy. Um, but I reached out to her and said, Hey, I'm going to interview Ron Rawls. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. He, I just love that man so much. (laughs) I look up to him and she said, you always made staff feel important and like they matter. Um, did you have a mentor for you along your way that helped you create that type of leadership style that really, you know, got the most out of your staff?
2: You know, I, I've had, I've been very, very blessed to have had two exceptional mentors in the golf business. Uh, the most prominent mentor in my life in the golf business was Jerry Brough. I uh, I worked for Mr. Brough from the age of 14 through 21 at Eagle Hills Golf Course, like I stated earlier. Uh, and then again, uh, for three years at Hillcrest country club as a golf professional, as an assistant golf professional. And then, you know, he helped me through some, uh, some job situations, uh, in future years. Uh, and you know, I would say he is probably the most instrumental person in my golfing career as far as helping me to get where I'm at. Um, I did have another significant mentor, a gentleman named Frank Sullivan, who was my director of golf when I was in Hawaii and, uh, you know, Frank taught me a lot, and we stayed friends, good friends. Frank uh, actually pitched in professional baseball for 10 years in the late 50s and early wow. 60s, yeah. And so, uh, but he he was a very wise man, and uh, I learned a lot from Frank, so.
1: That's awesome. So going back to your comments on growing the game. So what are your thoughts on golf's, you know, more recent initiatives to make golf faster paced you know relaxed dress codes more inclusion what are some thoughts you have there i know you for starters you know you've served as a a pga officer in some pretty high ranks nationally right you were the district nine officer so you are in touch with the people at the top level as far as future goals for the game of golf so back to that what are some of the what are your thoughts on some of those initiatives that golf's rolling out
2: well, you know, I think you know part of uh, part of our challenge in the golf industry has been that we, you know, a lot of us are, um, I guess, uh, hesitant to change, and you know, uh, that being you know dress codes, um, you know, the the standard nine hole round or eighteen hole round, uh, just the traditions of the game over the years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that. Are resistant to changing any of that mm-hmm. but I think through you know through the looking at other industries or other sports and what they've gone through and how they have reinvigorated their sport the things they've done with their youth and and you know that sort of thing I think golf has learned a little bit from that and I think you know as much as you know we want to hold on to those traditions of our sport I think that the health of our sport requires us to look at things and say, "Is this, you know, something that will interest younger people or kids to get in the mm-hmm. game, or is this something that's going to deter them or you know uh, make them turn away to another sport?" So I think it's it's imperative that golf continues to find ways to be creative to attract future players in our game. Uh, some of those things that we are doing now to attract future players you know some of our our long-time golf professionals, or long-time people in the, in the in the business you know kind of cringe at that because it's just not the traditional aspect of the sport but i think that now i think that we are almost past that we're now golf is it's kind of it's hip you know golf yeah. is uh you know everybody wants to play it and uh it's funny because i have uh, when i came to Crane Creek there were junior golf or juniors junior members there uh, dependents of members kids of members that that weren't interested in playing golf and now they come back they're out of college they come back as a guest of their dads because they're you know they're crazy about golf now and they kick themselves because they didn't take advantage of it when they could have but that's kind of what you see in golf is that you know even even kids that don't grow up playing tend to migrate towards the game and uh, and it's neat what's happening right now
0: Well, it seemed to be a big resurgence, uh, back when Tiger first became a pro and he was young, you know, he was hip, he was winning everything. And so I think the younger kids and people were like, well, I want to be Tiger Woods. Well, they're probably not going to be Tiger Woods, but they wanted to be. And there seemed like a big surge at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that started to wane as, you know, he got older, or started having his own, you know, things going on health-wise and other. Uh, and it became kind of, uh, just, I don't want to say stagnant, but it wasn't growing anymore. So it's, it's, it's neat that now we're getting into a time where it is starting to surge again.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just shy of 25 years later after Tiger Woods, we are seeing that golf boom again. And,
0: yeah. and what what do you guys think? What do you think is is behind a lot of that new resurgence into the game of golf?
1: Um, I'll go first. Uh, I think, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Tiger was on the scene, it was more of a For the golf viewer, it was from a distance, right? It Mm was, oh, my gosh, look how great this guy is. But it didn't necessarily encourage them to go try the sport themselves. And for some people, it did. But I think to Ron's point in the last couple years, it has become more, as Ron said, hip and inclusive and, you know, kind of full circle from his time at Meridian High School where the football players and baseball players were giving him a hard time for being an athlete on that list. Right. You know, you do see a lot. I have a lot of my peers from high school that never played golf that are now reaching out to me about playing golf, right, 10 years later. So I do think in the last couple years it forced people to try to just pick it up and say it doesn't matter how well you play. It's more about being outside with friends, family, enjoying a little sunshine, enjoying your surroundings, you know, developing that community with other golfers. It's not about the score you
0: shoot. It's oh, just yeah. about
1: having a good time out there.
0: Oh, no, that's, a, that, that's yeah. why I play. I am no good. I'm good for about one or two of what I call my comeback shots. <laughs> they were good enough to get me to come back again <laughs>
1: and put. Yeah, and they generally occur on the 18th hole, so they're fresh. And <laughs> Ron, did you have any comments on that? You know, I
2: I think you know one of the things uh, you know obviously we've been dealing with this pandemic for the last couple of years, and uh, you know, uh, golf you know a lot a lot of businesses struggled w- with the pandemic, struggled through it, some some didn't make it through it, but uh, golf was one of those industries that that benefited from you know the just the opportunity for people to get outside. Um, there wasn't a lot else to do, you know. No. And, and so, you you know, from from our aspect at Crane Creek, we started seeing families playing a lot of golf together and, and kids playing a lot of golf. And, you know, because it was the one thing that they could do and not have to, you know, basically worry about anything. And they, they could get out and play. And we saw, you know, some unbelievable um, numbers of rounds of golf played at Crane Creek the last couple of years. But the thing that you know, was, was neat, was we, you know, I've been there for, I've been at Crane Creek for 19 years, and I saw some people play that had been members there since I started there that I had never seen play before. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, so-and-so's wife, you know, was never a golfer. Now she's a golfer and excited about it. And, you know, so it kind of uh, just opened up a door for the golf industry, and I, I hope that we can, you know, continue to nurture that you know, that increased play and continue to, to, you know, kind of ride that wave. Uh, but uh, it's pretty exciting for the golf industry, I think, but uh, it is neat to see how the game has changed. And now you see players go out there and they've got their, you know, their music on their cart. They're, uh, you know, they're out there with a couple of buddies, uh, you know, maybe they don't play much golf, but they just, but they whack it around and they have a good time. And, um, and that's really what, you know, what it's all about is just going out there and having having fun with your friends or your family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so these, you know, these things, like I said earlier, these um, traditional things about golf that, that we a lot of us just held dear and sacred, uh, you know, are no longer that way. And, uh, and it's exciting to see people enjoying the game so much.
1: Yeah. And one more thing just to kind of piggyback on what Ron said there is that, you know, there are a lot of new audiences playing the game. Mm-hmm. And to Ron's earlier comments about golf professionals and PGA members really growing the game of golf, I think it is our responsibility, whether it's, you know, a spouse or a junior golfer to capitalize on that new person, right? And when I say that, it's like they're there. Now, how do we keep them here? How do we have them continue to enjoy the game? We don't want them to come to a first tee class just to, you know, do something in the summer. We want them to come there and enjoy it and learn it and, you know, want to return. That's Mm -hmm. our job, and we need to make that happen. So if you were the commissioner for golf for a day or a week, let's give you a week. I know you got to learn some (laughs) things over the course of a few days. What are some other things you'd like to see change within golf? What are some other initiatives that you would, you think are important to the future of the game?
2: Well, I would, I mean, uh, this isn't necessarily change. I'd love to see our, our PG hope, program continuing to grow, and that's a program that helps um, veterans, uh, you know, get into the game of golf, and I think golf's a great avenue to help that population uh, deal with some of the trauma and some of the, uh, you know, mental, um, I guess, issues they've gone through, you know, uh, through either you know, going to war or serving in the military, but you know that's—I think that's a, an area that is still virtually untapped. I think that you know, um, I think that you know, continuing to to broaden golf to to attract more um, more diversity. We we need more diversity in the game. We need to uh, um, you know just continue to try and broaden the appeal of golf and to make it continue to make it easier for people to have access and to get into it i think that's been one of the struggles with our industry over the years is it hasn't really been that easy for people to get into the game you know if you grew up at a club or grew up playing you know golf at a public golf course and you were around i mean that's easy if if you're uh, you know an 18 year old kid that never played the game and your parents never played the game you know that's a little more difficult for that person to get into the game or get plugged in. So I think we got to continue to make it easier to, to get people into the game. Um, I think that we have to continue to find ways as well to make it continue to make it more fun. You know, golf's a hard game, you know, and, and people, people are very critical of themselves when they play the game and and that, you know, hitting that perfect shot. You know, I kind of liken it to when, when, my kids were in high school. My wife, my wife's been a, was a wonderful skier all her life. I was a horrible skier, but we skied a lot. My kids were skiing, and I would go out and ski, and I would rank the success of the day based on the number of times I fell down. And I thought, <laughs> you know, if you could just take that that mindset to golf, and you know, just play, and maybe you're, you know, okay, I didn't lose any balls today. That's just, you know, but you know, golf is so oriented on score what did i shoot today and i I think that uh you know those people that that have gotten to the point where they're not so consumed with their score i think Mm -hmm. enjoy the game more but uh um but anyway that's you know i I think just just trying to make it more fun or or, you know uh and make it more accessible
1: yeah there you go all right well thank you gentlemen Okay, Ron. So here's the final part of the interview. Uh, we just run through some quick questions, so we need some quick answers from you here. Okay. Um, so let's get started. So the first question: favorite club in the bag? Putter. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Do you have any tips, just for me only, not for the <laughs> listeners, on how to be a better putter?
2: <laughs> I probably spend eighty percent of my practice time with my putter.
1: Oh, it's amazing so, to watch you roll the rock. Well, it truly, is fun.
2: I couldn't hit the ball when I was younger, so I needed to play. Otherwise, it was going to be a short, short life.
1: All right. Second question uh, Professional golfer you looked up to the most growing up? Jack Nicholas. The Golden Bear. Yeah. First T Idaho question What is your favorite of the nine core values?
2: That's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I like honesty. I like respect. But I think integrity. Because to me, to me, honesty is what you do when people are looking. But integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. So I think yeah. integrity.
1: Great answer. Pick up the piece of trash even if nobody's looking. <laughs> right. Favorite golf course in Idaho?
2: Crane Creek Country
1: Club. <laughs> that was a canned <laughs> answer right there. Favorite golf course out of Idaho? Wow. Um, I know you've played a lot of them.
2: (laughs) I would say Prairie Dunes in Hutchison, Kansas.
1: There you go. Great answer. Yeah. Okay, final question. A little more broad. This might catch you on your toes a little bit here. So what single moment in your career in golf are you most proud of?
2: Gosh, that's a hard one. What single moment? I think... um,
1: maybe not a single moment, maybe a constant theme in your career.
2: Well, I guess one of them would be my daughter won the PNGA, uh, Publinks championship one year. And she also qualified for the Publinks or, uh, the USGA Publinks one year. And I caddied for her in that event. So those were pretty big times. Um, my son, I caddied for my son in a U.S. Open qualifier one year, and he he didn't win it, but he shot 66, and that's uh, pretty cool being on that bag, right? Yeah, so,
1: hell, heck yeah. Yeah, just goes back to how cherished those times on the golf yeah. course are with your family, right?
0: That's so that's right. really
1: cool. I remember the day that Zach shot 66; yeah. that was very, very special. Well, Ron, thank you so much for all you do for the game of golf, uh, not just for your members at Crane Creek Country Club, but for so many people at a national level now with you in the roles you've served in the last several years. Uh, You're greatly admired by so many people in our section and just, I can't thank you enough for all you do. So thank you. Well, Nick, thank you. And
2: I can't thank you enough for all you do. And the first tee of Idaho does. Um, I want to throw a little quick tidbit out there. You know, I was on one of the first boards for the first tee Idaho when when we first started the program. Know that, And uh, you know, just being at that, You know, involved in it at that point, and then to see how what it's grown into, it's, uh, you know, it's remarkable. And to see what you and your group are doing with it now is, uh, you know, it's outstanding. And when you talk about, you know, growing the game, uh, I don't think anybody
0: does it better than First T.I. not Thanks,
1: Ron. Very much appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Nice little endorsement there at the end. (laughs) Unexpected. I appreciate (laughs) it. Well, that brings us close to the basically the end here for our February edition of In the Rough, and I know you're busy and getting things ready for spring golf to get underway here, as we were talking about earlier, and and all the great programs, and I can hardly wait until our, our next episode of In the Rough to hear about what's uh, what is going on with First Tee Idaho. Thanks
1: so much, Corey. It's uh, February 7th today. We've got the Boise Golf Show this weekend, which is always kind of a fun little weekend to get the golf season kicked off for the year. So Expo, be able to Idaho. See. Yep, it's yep. at Expo, Idaho. It's on Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday this year. They didn't want to compete with Super Bowl Sunday. So. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listen to this before the weekend of the 10th through the 12th, come on down to the golf show, see some folks, and uh, get excited for another year of golf.
0: All right, and we will talk next month, my friend. Sounds good. For Nick Blasius, I'm Corey Michaels, and this is In the Rough.
2: Perfect.